Welcome to Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston. Here's where I get to talk to amazing people from all over the world who are making a positive impact and discuss topics in every single area of life. The sky's the limit. Some might be a little controversial, but eh, we don't shy away from them because everyone I speak to is coming from a good space. So it's an opportunity to learn a lot and expand your mind. Hello, people. I've been waiting for this since July 2017. That's right. One of my closest friends and business partner. I'm going to try not to cry and get emotional. He knows me. But he's like, Sandy, we just did this. I'm like, David, time flies. It was July 2017. No one even knew I existed. So what is it and who is it? Today's awesome and inspiring guest is David Rambo. That's right. Now, I'm reading his profile, but it really underestimates all this young man has accomplished. But he is the most modest human being I've ever met. He doesn't like to talk about himself. He doesn't like his accolades. You have to draw it out of him. And that's probably one of the reasons I love him. But here you go. He's an experienced business leader with a demonstrated history within the HALO, health, active lifestyles and outdoor sector passionate about increasing access to services that create healthier and happier people, skilled in building agreement within teams to unify and forge more forward paths, viability, and means testing and management. I drive him crazy on this. I hate systems. But anywho, creates and implements. Ugh, this, I'm trying to come speed. I'm trying. Creates and implements transferable execution strategy to sensible, advanced, disruptive ideas. David, how are you? I'm sorry. I had to beg you to come on. I see him all the time, but he was like, no, no, no. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, and I'm ready to talk about some exciting things and you know, get this going, kick this off. All right. So first thing, because I know you inside and out, I'm going to just give a little history. Dave and I have known each other for what? Is it 80 years or oh, like 21? It's, it's before it's before the dot-com boom. So this goes back, gosh, at least almost 24 years probably now. Twenty. Okay. Years. Keep in mind, David's like th- a thousand years younger than me. No, like, not. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> he is... 18 years younger than me. That's in this lifetime, David, that's a thousand years years old. Yes. Yeah. So I've seen, especially with him, like I was already a mature adult when he met me, but I've seen such amazing growth. And, you know, I always feel fortunate that he's been on my journey, but just a little background that David, we met each other. You've worked with me forever and ever, but when did we really strike and become close business partners? I forget. I mean, it was the, the year was 2008 is when oh. the official uh, partnership uh, happened. So yes, 2008, but we had been working together. I was, while I was going to school at St. Joseph University, I was uh, working at your Bala Kinwood Club, which was basically oh. my entrance, even though I had no initial intention into the industry, into the entire. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I have like mental lapse. You didn't have any interest. Like I've known this man for how long? And I didn't even know this. You had no interest in getting into the fitness industry? No. uh, The, my uh, position at the Bala Kinwood location was a a byproduct of a failed uh, dot-com learning adventure in, uh, in around 1999. And I stopped, stopped going. I did not know that. 
Yeah. So I stopped going to school full time at St. Joe's to pursue um, this dot com venture and got my first lesson in business. And uh, I had been, you know, a member at the gym and I had become friendly with one of the employees there. And when JT, JT, (laughs) and then when the business um, that I was involved in, uh, when we closed up shop, when we were licking our wounds, I was looking to go back to school and I needed, you know, just to seek some employment. And that was, you know, my thrush into, you know, the whole industry. I had no intention of it prior though. Okay. So now you're there. Maybe I, I, I think I have a different view, but you were always a fitness guy, right? You're always into keeping in shape and working out. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I would, I would say I was maybe a fair weather exerciser. I was an athlete in school. Um, you know, but when college hit, um, I just was really ready to hang up the ice skates. I was just, you know, really. Oh, you were a hockey player. Yeah. I was done with competitive sports at that level. I intentionally went to a school that didn't have ice hockey in it because I was just really done. So I was just a casual, you know, casual weightlifter type thing. And then um, okay. I started, uh, you know, my, at the then time, my fiance and I, or maybe she was my girlfriend at the time, we joined the Wood Club because it was close to St. Joseph's University before they had kind of invested in their huge rec centers. And we uh, signed up at the gym there together. Um, she was actually more of a avid exerciser than I was. So I was just- What was her name? Follow. Her name was Janelle. Oh, I don't remember, but go ahead. Yeah. So I followed her there and we started working out and then I became friendly with JT kind of along the way. And, and, uh, yeah, there. Well, what made you like, I don't understand. Maybe I'm like, what happened? Like what made you get really involved in loving it? So I believe that, um, again, I just took a, you know, at the Bala Kinwood, uh, location, I just took a a part-time job while I was going to school at night and it was work. So I could, I was opening up early mornings and I could do my schoolwork kind of in the morning and, oh, okay. uh, and, uh, just talking to JT, you know, just, uh, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, being involved in that environment, it was exciting. It was different. Um, and you know, I guess, you know, some things led where I had some intuition, I guess, um, you okay. know, as it relates to, the business, how it operated. I just, you know, tend to be very curious about things that I get involved in. So I just became increasingly curious about it. And, um, uh, you know, I just was through the people I met through you, through the other people working there, I had an affinity for some things and it developed into a little bit more of a part-time job and then a full-time gotcha. and then the, opportunity. how did you get to, to center city running center city? Remind um, me, I should know this, but I have no clue. You know, I think it had to do, I, I don't really remember other than the fact okay. that there was maybe, I think some opportunity at the there? City location and then something presented itself. I'm not really sure. There was a guy that I was working for. I forget his name now, David Culp, maybe, or I, yes. don't, I don't know. His oh name. my God. It was David Culp. That's David, right. Yeah. David Culp. I think he was in charge of overseeing some membership opportunities. So it was right at around a time where there was a, um, uh, you know, Weston was, um, uh, you know, acquiring or taking over 
the the center city market west yeah the market west club and so that opportunity presented itself in right place kind of right time i had nothing else really going on i was still gotcha gotcha so it just kind of worked out so i think we have a lot of young viewers david and so what's coming natural to you i would like you to give some advice because you have a lot of college kids that listen to us and you know, you're saying here, I'm taking these little notes. Like, I know I should know all this, but it's, I don't remember stuff. I live so much in the moment. I'm like, yeah, I guess that did happen. Um, but when you're saying this thing led to this thing and this thing led to this thing and this thing led to this thing, they're looking for hows and whys and what made you. And the only thing I keep writing down here is you said, but they, they're looking for a little more like, how did you start out? And then all of a sudden you're doing this, you know? Is it, you're saying you were always curious, but is it more than that? Like, did you just take initiative without you and I talk about this? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's, there's no secret sauce. You, without even knowing anyone, you were curious, but then you took the bull by the horn and just started doing it and doing it better before the money came. But I don't want to say that. Like, yeah, you know, so I think it was a combination of patience and curiosity. I mean, you know, so Um, I I find that even the people that we hire for our teams now, there's a common denominator. And I think curiosity is a common thread about just not learning about, you know, one particular thing, but many things. And then that helps you innately become more resourceful as a leader because you expand your mind outside of the one domain that you're hired within and you take an opportunity to make the most of each moment kind of while you're there. And I think I just brought a work ethic that says, you know, it's really more about the value I bring to the hour as compared to just getting, you know, paid for being there, taking up oxygen. So I kind of contribute that back to call it, you know, how I was maybe raised. I'm sure there was some influence there um, where, you know, that's a common denominator where there's a, um, you know, an expectation set and that expectation carried over that, you know, hey, this this is an opportunity. It's not a, you know, every position, it's an opportunity. So, gotcha. um, Ooh, okay. you know, so I, got I think you. that I've just uh, applied that mindset to, um, to different things that have presented themselves throughout my life. And I just, as I get older, the only difference is, is that now I um, can focus and have a little bit more discretion about what opportunities I want to pursue because now I have more experience and wisdom to apply a set of potential outcomes and then apply mm-hmm. like a risk reward kind of, uh, you know, yeah. approach to it. And then, you know, help me focus on, you know, what's going to yield the greatest outcome. But back then, like kids coming in, like you said, I, I had a curiosity. I wanted to learn. I, and I, I, I mean, I know this from David, he just excelled. Like he didn't wait for anybody to say, great job. You should do this. He, you proved in a certain area that you could do it before someone asked you to do that. I don't know if that's what I remember, you know, even now, like you're not going to wait for someone to say, Hey, can you, you just, you call it curiosity, but you just started doing it even before the pay showed up. And then you said, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I, that's what I remember until you were doing it. Yeah. You know what? I look at my son and I'll reference this playing soccer at a certain age when um, kids are six, seven and eight, the, the most um, 
I want to say the most aggressive, you know, before skills begin to come into play and become a thing, there's no substitute for really effort and tenacity. Ooh, keep that in mind, kids. Go ahead. So really before you hone skills that help you specialize, if you're trying to figure out, um, you know, where to fit in an organization and want to stand out, that that's just something that doesn't require skill um, that I think gets noticed in an organization. Okay. That's cool. All right. Now you met you. I want to back up. Here we go. He mentioned he had a kid. So David is married. That's so weird to me. He met Lisa, I think at the gym, didn't you? I did. Yeah. That was a, that was a reality show in and of itself. Um, hey, by the way, that's a whole nother podcast. A whole nother podcast, but it just goes to show you that the, the gym and the fitness world is a, is a uniter of many relationships. And <laughs> when did you meet Lisa, though? Two thousand and six. Ooh, so that's right before we became partners, man. Those were some busy years for you, man. Yeah, right at the end of two thousand and six. Yep. Is when did you get married, though? I mean, you met her, but when did you get married? Two thousand nine. So May, three years after we met, is when we got married. I love Lisa, by the (laughs) way. You know, she was great. I knew they were going to get married. I think I knew. For me, so she's a very uh, yeah. She's a nice uh, balance for sure. So oh my god, yeah, they're just they're great together, and they have two kids, mm-hmm. not just one. Yeah, and it's great, and I love it. And and the thing is, like David was saying, right now he can focus more. And I just had this question. I always ask people, what questions do you want me to ask for my guests? And the Temple kids want to say, "Excuse me, sir, Mister David Rambo, how can you be a businessman, entrepreneur?" And raise a family and spend time with your kids. They are like, ah, we can't even manage going to classes. That's their question. Yeah. To quote them. Yeah. So uh, I think who you choose as a spouse has tremendously profound impact in Ooh. what you're going to accomplish. In Don't freak world. out yet. <laughs> um I think the kids are freaking out. I don't have a spouse. I don't have a spouse. You know, and in the, well, again, as you, as you, I remember being very clear about any relationship that I was in. And even when I met Lisa, um, you know, when we were quote, you know, courting each other, if you will, I had a very specific, you know, I had a very specific, you know, design that I wanted to accomplish in my life. And I knew it was going to be, um, not always convenient. And I know it was going to be, you know, more work than a traditional nine to five kind of position, if you will. Um, yeah. just because for what I saw for myself in my future, I knew that it was going to look a little bit different. So I was very upfront yeah. about that and, and knew that. Good point. Good point. And, um, yeah. And I think that makes, you know, a difference. And I, I think it's just, be, it's, be, it's been very natural um, uh, for me. I, I do know that there's people that really do struggle, um, you know, with that balance and they are pulled in a yep. lot of different directions and that's a reality. So I'm not going to underscore that. I've been um, blessed where it, it, it hasn't been. I've had the support that, you know, I need to, uh, focus on the work, Sandy, that you and I are doing. Um, and it's been- and other stuff he's doing. Yeah. He's a mogul, but go ahead. Yeah. 
yeah. So it's been very, um, it's been very easy and, and, and positive. So I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but the kids, when they're asking for advice, because believe it or not, next week's segment at Temple is on relationships. And the thing that they were talking about the most, David, is, you know, they're, they're telling me they broke up with this person because they don't get them. And were they being short-sighted and does love conquer all? And of course, you know, I'm a hopeless romantic. But what you're saying is, yeah, but if it does, if, you know, it's not going to change. If that person wants you, you know, not to work or work or not to practice this religion or practice it, be upfront of what you want because it's not going to change down the road. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, and I also think I've seen successful quote unquote power couples and I've seen yep. successful more, you know, uh, traditional old fashioned models, uh, you know, exactly. And I really think, uh, you know, it, it's finding somebody that you connect with where you have an understanding and you appreciate, um, yeah. you know, that in each other. And, uh, but uh, yeah, by the I, way, I you and Lisa are a power couple. You and Lisa are the most power couple that I've met. Well, I guess as I'm defining power couple in yeah. the, in the yeah, I know what you mean. Because it works and you guys are terrific right. together. But like two powerful kind of executives running in the same. Oh, oh okay. That's what I, I see what to in terms of, you know, I, I think that's the, the modern age word to describe like a power couple where you have two, oh. two you know, two, uh, uh, you know, two people running kind of either with, you know, with each other or kind of even in separate industries, but both, you know, um, demonstrating a, uh, very profound influence in their industry and, and, you know, leadership based roles and so forth and so on. Yeah. And you're right. And see, and that's what Dave and I really, really agree on. There's not just one way to run a business. I mean, there's 60 successful ways to run a company successful or run it into the ground. And, you know, Dave and I are lucky. Most of the time we agree now and then we don't, but we respect each other. And that's why we've lasted so long. It's the same thing in marriage. Yeah, for sure. There's 60,000 different ways to have a successful or failed marriage. It's you both come together. You both want the same thing and you respect each other's when you don't. I mean, that's just the bottom line in everything. So, all right, not to get too philosophical, but here we go, David. Now let's fast forward a little bit. So here we are. And, you're a very successful businessman. And so, you know, so we, okay, we started out with Weston Fitness, which, you know, obviously was starting with me, like Sandy Weston, but then David, and I don't even know what year, started a branch of our company that we now call Visionary Wellness. And I just want you to talk a little bit about, because that was David's, all David's brainchild. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I, again, I, I wouldn't call it all of the brainchild. I think it was, um, I, th- I think it was a natural extension of a business that you and I were already uh, creating. Okay, blah, 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 blah. Take credit. Well, yeah. No, that All was right, separate because listen, we, um, you, know, uh, w- you know, we made a conscious choice to be a corporate friendly uh, company that, that went above and beyond to make it easy to, you know, for employers located in and around Philadelphia to implement um, you know, corporate wellness programs. And that was really uh, our niche for a a long time. We would design these programs. We would curate, um, strategies for companies. And then in doing so, we got a really great name for being a, um, a purveyor provider of corporate wellness experiences. 
And, That's right. Um, so I really think that that gave us uh, credibility and also some inlays as compared to just focusing so much on a retail segment that was- You're right, you're right, you're right. Increasing. We got known for that. It's a pain in the butt now, yeah. but we got known for that. Yeah, still like- <laughs> You know, the, the retail segment was always an increasingly, and again, an ever increasingly saturated uh, market and where we were situated that it, it made sense for us to focus on this underserved market of uh, corporations that wanted to right. um, have uh, outlets for um, people to go to that might be intimidated in a retail gym environment. So we've always done a great job uh, creating that environment and those experiences. Um, but yeah, I want to say as the as the evolution of the industry um, began to change and, and we wanted to, just like any sound uh, investment strategy is, is, is diversify and, and create more. Yeah, baby. Uh, one of the most natural channels for us that we were um, that would be within what I would call our domain expertise would be okay if we yep. were talking to companies about uh, running their corporate wellness programs at 1835. Well, maybe we talk to them about doing it at their locations because there's been a trend in terms of you know, hey, how do you compete? How do employers compete for talent? How do they, how are they competing to retain their employees? And, and how are they um, demonstrating that they care to their, about their employees if their employees maybe don't have access to fitness and it's hard to dispute the benefits of, of fitness um, as it relates from a wellness perspective. So I think in company, the timing of it where companies were increasingly um, put under pressure to put programs in place. And we were situated where we had some um, domain expertise in the corporate wellness space. It created a pathway for us to have conversations. And, and again, mm-hmm. I don't really think any of our existing corporate uh, wellness clients are our clients of visionary wellness, but it still kind of created, um, I, I think it helped give us Number one, the um, um, the per, you know the the perception to the clients that we were talking to that hey listen we're experts in this field in particular corporate yep. fitness and we yep. can do that here and here's what it would mean for your organization so that started around 2012 and it's been a nice um, addition to our uh, portfolio of uh, yeah of business where it's it's done it's been a nice um, solid, um, not as ballistic, if you will, uh, revenue line compared to, uh, the retail business. And so we're going to be excited to see that continue to grow. All right. So back up there. So, cause people, we really want to dive into this one thing, which you were saying, um, diversify. So if we were just right now, a standalone fitness center at 19th and market, it would be rough in this climate. So you have to be able to adapt and change, you know, and go forward. Cause you'll die if you don't change as the climate changes and the market changes. So by having visionary wellness, it's a way for us. We sometimes we compete with ourselves. Don't we, David? We do. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Hey, if someone's taking that market, we do. And it was a smart, smart business move. Cause when people say to me all the time, like, how the heck are you still making it? I'm like, you can't, I mean, not you can't, I'm sure it's possible, but it would be really difficult because when we and David started out, it was like one little 
competition. Like, what are you going to do with that club over there? And we'd be like, they're in the basement. We got windows. And now we got like a hundred, like every few feet, like, ah, and people always try to scare us. They're like, somebody else is coming in. You're like, really? Okay. Like, can it be any more saturated, David? I don't, I mean, maybe. I don't think so. But to your point about diversifying, there's a, <laughs> a quote that I like, which is, you know, you can be on the right track, but if you sit still, you'll still get run over by the next train that's coming sort of thing. So yes, you need to. Oh, continue. you're good. Good work. That's true. You know, that's so we were still in. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's where we found ourselves. And I think that, um, well, where are you going with that now? What do you want? Because that's really, I mean, it's exciting, but David really does pioneer that. And he knows the ins and outs way more than me. I like people <laughs> I like energizing them with all the behind the scenes stuff. Like, where do you see it going? in the next year, um, visionary wellness branch. I mean, not just corporate fitness ours, but in general, you know, I think that, um, we're about to hit, you know, another growth phase in the business where you begin to reap the benefit of economies of scale. When you have the benefit of multiple locations where you can see your systems kind of begin to make life easier for everyone. So when you're trying, system, system. So you're trying to leverage and develop um, protocols and everything is kind of like N equals one, meaning you're only dealing with one, you're, you, from a business perspective, you leave yourself very vulnerable to any kind of changes. So the more distribution that we grow, the more locations, not only does every client that we're working with proportionately mean less, so we're less leveraged on any one um, relationship, but we also, um, you know, build a bigger, uh, you know, build a bigger team. So, uh, and build by building a bigger team, if people move on, which you and I know there's a natural, um, you know, uh, there, there's a natural, you know, moving on that happens in this industry, whether people move and so forth and so on. And as a small one club operation, it's, 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 it's detrimental. It means a lot. Everyone gets sucked back in, you know, to yeah. that. So the more that we continue to develop and, and have a larger organization so we can have people, um, in charge and also people that are always wanting that next step, we, as, uh, as a business, deleverage from a lot of, um, vulnerabilities and, and we have things to kind of take place. All right. So that's really important because David says this to me all the time, because now is where we got to get to the not good stuff, David, like the ups and downs, the behind the scenes. So people can realize, you know, I tell people I'm an entrepreneur. A lot of times I'm sure, I don't know if you get that. My friend's like, yeah, I just want to quit my job and do what you do and have ease and flow all the time. I'm like, Oh my God, if they only knew I, I meditate an hour every day, like, and they want my, my friends, I just went out with a bunch of girlfriends. They're like, yeah, we just want to do like what you do and yeah. not have any stress. And, um, you know, be able to come home at three 30. I, I was like, can I just get a cup of coffee and get out of here? I don't even have to answer. Like, I don't want to discourage you ladies, but I love what I do. I wouldn't call it even near stress-free. I just know how to manage my stress. Yep. And David, if he says this to me one more time, Sandy, it's a gig economy. Oh my God, the gig economy is crushing me, David. It's crushing me. <laughs> so let's talk about the dirty, nitty-gritty of we you, every company. And I relate this to the diet, which we're going to get into it because David, not I mean, this was the biggest words he ever said. It's the four-week mark. We're going to talk about that later with Simplex Health, but- I feel as if right now, if you're a company 
and you're trying to go big, you all have that growing pain of you're still in it and sucked into the day because you can't afford that next level of management quite yet so that it can like have that layer of icing there so that you can actually grow and create what you know I'm frustrated with right now and develop because you're sucked back in because of that growing pain. But if you get through that and you muck and grind, then that's where you go to the next level. Yeah. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I agree. And you and I have- Gig economy, David. Gig economy. What the freak? No, the gig economy is, is alive and well. And I think- As an employer, you know, we've seen so much now we've seen the demise of what I think was used to be called like the organizational man and the organizational man would be, you know, the track that would be you go to school, you graduate school, you get a good job, you stay there for 40 years, you get a watch at retirement, you get a pension, you know, and you know, that, shoot me, that, shoot me. That really, you know, that, that ended for a lot of people at the demise of pensions and, and as, it, you know, as globalization and the world smaller and competition and companies, I mean, gosh, I mean, you're seeing so many fundamental changes. I mean, Sears files bankruptcy two days ago, Toys R Us is gone, you know? Um, and I think so. And people, people were increasingly um, beginning to not be able to trust the traditional system. So it, it, it basically, wait a minute, Toys R Us is gone. Oh, yeah, very funny. Toys R Us is gone. <laughs> Sears is gone. You know, it's, it's so what we're, we're living. I heard about Sears. Yeah, so we're living in just this unprecedented amount of movement and volatility. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, a hundred years ago, um, 10% of people worked for 90% of the people. And then fast forward a hundred years, uh, 90% of the people work for 10% of the people. Um, so it's an interesting thing that's happening because I think people, especially the millennials, are driving interest in the same things that most you know people want in life, which is you know they're just saying if if you don't you know have a vision for you know if you don't have your own vision, then you're destined to work for someone who does. So I think with the rise yeah. of um, freedom becoming a value and and time being so precious, uh, people are are and also their inability to trust the traditional system because of globalization. Um, people need to create um, um, you know additional streams of income and and you know with the rise of social media, I mean everyone knows a Justin Bieber story, and now all of a sudden he starts posting videos on YouTube, and you know with the rise of um, you know, Instagram, you can be an immediate, you know, entrepreneur or whether what Mark Cuban would call like a entrepreneur. So the barriers are so low to yeah. start your own thing. Yeah. And, pr- and by the way, I don't want to get into it, but I have no idea about the Justin Bieber story. So we'll yeah. just skip but, that. Go ahead. So, I mean, I think that, um, so what employers are dealing with is, you know, number one, how to figure out how to retain those disruptors that would drive, um, you know, their business, but also keep them engaged enough. So that way they bring the uh, assets and gifts that they develop that could potentially be transformational um, to, you know, to, to an organization's business. But I think companies are figuring out that they have to learn how to work in this, you know, this quote gig economy that people are seeing that they can, um, you know, they're wanting flexible work environments so that way they can pursue things that they're passionate about. Um, people increasingly just only want to work for really causes that they're passionate about that 
life is too short. What our cause? We save people's lives. We do. I know. So I, I think though, but again, I, I, I don't want to generalize, but it's just, it's, it's, um, you know, there's just a, a new. It's your opinion. Yeah, so give so, it. I mean, I, listen, I just don't want to generalize. I just think people just don't want to, um, you know, fit, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a box that they don't yeah. a- align with. And they have options now through the gig economy to do things yeah. to make money. Um, in different ways. So what do, what do people do? Like, cause we felt that challenges and yet I understand what you're saying. Good for them. I'm so glad that they're changing and not wanting to wait 40 years for the watch. And, but how do you respect? I love that. You know, me, when people leave, I'm happy for them. If they're fulfilling their passion. And so are you, it's sad, but you're happy. But how do you do that as an employer? Like, what do, what do you do? And maybe we're still trying to figure yeah, it out. I don't know if anyone has the answer. Um, I think that as a company that we have, um, I, I don't know if anyone has the answer. I, I would say that, you know, depending upon the business model, if you can increasingly rely on um, things that don't leave, like machine learning, artificial intelligence, and things that don't have a yeah. desire to move on, where you can still c- control, control, you know, control and curate an experience, um, you know, that that people Without identify humans. with. That that's one model. Now, if you're in a business or if you're in a service industry, then I think that we just have to continue to work harder to create environments that people, you know, every day, listen, every day people make a choice. We make a choice to allow them to come back in and they make a choice to say, listen, I want to plant my flag there sort of thing. But I will say that, you know, the, 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 um, business is moving so fast. Opportunities are presented in front of people's face, whether it be their LinkedIn and people are so connected now. That's true. That's true. You know, 15 years ago, um, they weren't, you know, recruiting somebody was entirely different as it is now. And, and companies are getting super creative with different perks and different things. So I think companies have to stay at the forefront. I think, you know, the independent companies have to get especially creative because they don't have, you know, the dollars to put on these like annual company conventions that, you know, that, that, uh, yeah. Just kind of wow and, and speak to the social needs of the group. And so it's, I think every company has a unique set of challenges. I don't really know how it kind of plays out at the end, but I know that, you know, the gig. Oh, I have an idea. We can just have like either a meditational room that people can meditate, like a like happy cafe we were talked about, or we offer a vaping room because that's, that's right really now. popular. Yes, right that now. is in for sure. <laughs> So here we, we here at Western Fitness provide vaping and or meditation or happy cafe coffee. (laughs) Anywho. All right. Well, I just wanted everyone to know it's, we love me and David talk about like, I love what I do and I believe the money will follow. So when you love what you do, it makes it easier through all the ups and downs, but they're not, people just tell you all the good stuff on Facebook. They're not saying, Hey, this sucked this month or, Oh my God. You know what I mean? a true business leaders can see beyond what's right in front of them and get over yep. it. It's not like, woohoo, like I work three hours a day. I know David only works three hours That's a day. It. So, you know, <laughs> as I'm getting emails at one twenty in the morning, anywho. All right. So now let's talk about, because I'm very excited about this next journey that David found. And I know is another thing that you never probably thought you were going to do. Come on, simplex yeah. health. Like when I met you, 
It was, you know, Lisa, Italian food. You had no interest. Nope, none. At all complete in nutrition. And now complete you... ignorance to the subject. All right. So David becomes <laughs> business partner at Western Fitness. And he's gaining weight because his wife is a great cook. And I, I remember going in his office and he was like trying to figure out the business. And I'm like a wing nut at the time. And he has his finger pointed on the wall. I don't remember much over this. You're like, I feel like the money's coming in this way and I'm blocking the hole this yeah, way. Do you remember that? And it's coming in as fast as whatever. And at the same time, he, you know, is like not able to work out and he's running a fitness company. And then all of a sudden, boom, it all changed. Take over David Rambo. (sighs) Well, (laughs) you know, I think that my story uh, is, is so common that, um, it's not common. Come on. The, 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 the how of it is common. You get married and, and exactly kind of what happened to me is happening to millions of people and they don't know it. So the most underdiagnosed, condition that's happening, even for people that are relatively active is this, you know, this idea that I'm just getting a little bit more tired. Uh, I guess I'm getting older. Uh, I'm getting a little bit of weight. Yes. I'm, I guess I'm just getting older. And that's the common answer that yeah. just kind of comes with it. So you just kind of accept it and then it kind of rolls on and then you have children and, and, um, then you're busy because you want to be everything you can to them and you're balanced. That's true. That, that's a lot of and people you put yourself and you put your own self aside you know, in exchange for the quality yeah. time with your kids and your family. And, and so I think that it's a common thread that happens to millions you're right, of adults that, you're right every year. So a combination of uh, minor changes, nothing major, but just minor over the years and then getting busier, yeah. too busy to take care of yourself. And um, the blessing as it's been to me is that in 2012, I was 34 years old. I found myself diagnosed with a, um, with a, uh, with type two diabetes, very aggressive type two diabetes that no one could believe because, you know, if you look at me and say, okay, I'm a little bit overweight, but I certainly wasn't someone that you'd peg as a glutton and a sloth. No, he looked great. I mean, you couldn't even really tell. You, it's but, wasn't that you know, much it, different. Again, differently. But I mean, I, I would say that, um, you know, I, I had weight to lose. And, but again, just a combination of stress, right? So we're learning so many things now about the interplay. The hole in the wall. Yeah, exactly. finger with the hole so in the, the wall. the interplay of stress and nutrition and all these things kind of coming together that uh, end up playing a role systemically. So in 2012, I was, um, you know, I learned about this and I was, you know, taken back for a shock. I was scared. I um, just kind of didn't know what has hit me. I think everybody walks around thinking, okay, that kind of thing happens to other people, but not me. And um, that was my attitude about it. And then it happened to me, boom. And I just, you know, it was, it was so eye awakening. It was, I, I mean, it was eye opening. It was scary. It was emotional. Um, So... Uh, I started just like anybody would, you go to your doctor, you trust your doctor, you're put on a pathway and the the path that I was told it was, it was, you know, okay, here's how we're going to manage this condition. And, um, that's what I was on. And I really went about my way for about another year or so, just with the idea, like, okay, I'm not gonna, you know, um, I'm you know, not going to die tomorrow, which is your initial concern when you get diagnosed with something like that. And, you know, but this is how it's going to be. I'm going to be on four or five prescription drugs a day for the rest of my life. And, um, 
And that's what the doc, like the yeah, medical doctor said. Not what conventional yeah. medicine dealt with me, dealt me. And then I remember. Okay. Okay. And then I okay. remember sitting, um, you know, uh, having my son, uh, I was getting ready in the morning and he was looking up at me as I grabbed my pill box and I watch him oh, look God. at me and he's just kind of, at that age, he was probably, um, four years old and he's just kind of looking up at me as if I'm like his hero, if you will. And we're getting ready in the morning and yeah. he watches me open up my pill box and, you know, take back my first of five sets of prescription drugs that I need per day. Ugh. And I remember the innocence in his, and you were 35 at this point. 30, yep. I was 35. Yep. So I remember like thinking to myself, like, wow, uh, that was like when it really hit me that if that's his normal, you know, then, and I'm in this industry with the ability to change something, I want to do something about it. So I became really immersed and obsessed, if you will. Um, because again, I just heard stories, you know, that, but they would be kind of like, like unicorns, if you will, about like, um, these mythical things about what you can do through nutrition and, and so forth and so on. And, and interestingly, it was introduced to me from my, uh, from my chiropractor of all people who had just, you know, three months before reversed my son's chronic eczema uh, condition that he had for four years where conventional. Oh, so you saw what she did with him and so forth and so on. And all the steroids didn't do anything. And I watched uh, with open eyes in, in a matter of a month, all of his symptoms were gone. And so it made me kind of pay attention. So I, when, you know, when I was at that moment, I was most vulnerable and receptive to letting go of my strongholds. And um, I went back with a newfound perspective about what she had to say about wellness and, and taking care of the human frame. And, and it was opposed to what the trusted physicians that I was working with uh, at the time were. Uh, and it was inconvenient. I mean, and, and so yeah. you know, what she was telling me to do was inconvenient. And it was, I, I was wondering, okay, is it going to be worth it? But at this time I was motivated. I had the right attitude. I let go of my strongholds and I immerse myself in the, uh, reading and literature about this just to number one. Were you very skeptical though still? I mean, that's was what I did. So I met with the, I met with the chiropractor and then I went back and did my own research to confirm you know, to basically, I don't know if I was trying to prove her wrong just because it would be more convenient for me Probably. as compared to, but I, you know, I just became um, committed to researching this. And then I was reading this. I'm like, this doesn't take, according to this, this doesn't take long and it doesn't seem hard. It's kind of like. It's too easy to be true. Like this can't work. Type 2 diabetes is a nutrition-related disease, so why are we trying to fight it with anything but nutrition? Right. Common Common sense. sense. And you're like, Can it be that simple? And then I would read, can it happen that fast? And it did. And it didn't – I didn't even have to really modify a lot, you know, my my movement patterns. How long, David? How long? How long what? How long did it take? I mean, I – not long. I mean, I lost – 50 pounds in six or seven months. Holy moly. Holy moly. Um, 
Yeah, 50 pounds or and it is effortless. And what I mean by effortless, once I got over the learning curve, and luckily I had somebody in my corner, my wife, who was kind of committed, um, I enjoyed everything. I mean, I was eating foods that I would have avoided and I would, you know, and I, I had, I just developed in a period of a, but I, I had a, I had a, I'm not going to negotiate with it mentality. So I definitely brought that. And I said, I'm not going to negotiate for this. I said, I'm going to get healthy. And then once I get healthy, then I will look at reintroducing this, but I'm not healthy until X. And I was using kind of a different okay. standard to what that was. So I was yeah. militantly committed uh, for a period of around like literally like three months to, okay. to reverse okay. this and be off my medications. Because I said for 90 days to be able to be off the medications, I was like, you know, it's just not, it's, it's, it, there's too much on the other side to not try it. So I just became yes. militantly committed to it changed my lifestyle. And at the end of three months, it was now just effortless for us as an entire family just to adopt the strategies that uh, ended up, um, you know, number one, that would prevent and also has the power to heal most chronic disease that's happening in the country right now. So I was just so, I was so, um, I, I, I just couldn't believe the magnitude of the impact Yet the elegancy of the solution, and when I say elegant, I'm, I mean it in the mathematical sense as it relates to um, to the efficiency and the efficacy component. So how efficient and effective it was. And then I just began. Yeah. You were blown away because you saw it first. And that's what happened. Like you said, you, if someone else told you, you, and I want to back out how you said it was a blessing. You see why it was a blessing? Because if it never happened to him, he would not have experienced not this. Because he had no interest. You don't have any interest usually. You're not like, yeah, let me just get to that yep. next level. And you saw it firsthand and you were like blown away. Like this can't be real. Like why would they give me all these freaking drugs when right. it's this so easy? Then, right. So then I took that. And just from conversations that you and I had, you were both, and you and I are both uh, readers and students of professional and personal development. And one things that we know from business is is find a need that's big and then find out a way to fill it, right? So, yep. uh, at a time where you know conventional medicine and that pathway is is not something a lot of people are interested in. People are increasingly suspect and skeptical about. Uh, taking medications and so forth and so on as people become more educated and people are becoming increasingly in tune with the profound, you know, either healing power or, um, or damaging power of food. Uh, yet it's an industry that was really ripe for disruption and friction because there's so much friction in there. Um, and, uh, and one of the barriers, you know, as we've seen in our industry was, you know, money. Right. And so when I, Yep. learned that um, taking this further, that the services that we provide are free or no out-of-pocket cost to people, uh, it, it, it eliminated right? a very big uh, barrier to engagement. And, exactly. And, um, then it was just a matter of finding uh, the, the most challenging part is to this day still finding uh, registered dietitians that are 
of philosophical alignment with these more progressive approaches to nutrition science. Um, I would say that Simplex is unapologetically different in its approach, that it's by design uh, a paradigm shift thinking company that we know that we're not, re- everyone's not ready for us and that's okay. Um, and so our biggest challenge is because yeah. the, you know, the dietetic schools are still pushing what I would consider 40 year old dogma that got us into trouble in the first place. No, they're not. I swear to God, I thought no, that changed. Not. It's still there. I mean, if you go to a cardiac re- so again, this is where we kind of go into the nutrition science about, you know, why we get fat. And, um, a lot of people would say it's an energy balance problem. And I think the newer school thinking that I subscribe to it's, it's, you know, obesity is a proxy or a symptom of an underlying cause of insulin resistance which, you know, which is really, uh, and that's a hormonal problem. So just like we won't blame people for getting cancer because it's hereditary, the idea of blaming people yep. for being obese when they're having a hormonal issue seems just as silly to me because, it, because it we is. know that it it's not so much as a simple equation. And a lot of, you know, quote, experts would say that are have their head buried in sand that this is as simple as calories in, calories out. And, you know, we know that the law of thermodynamics works in a closed system, but as organisms, we're not a closed system. We burn rates at, you know, we burn energy at different speeds and a lot of different things influence that. So put us in a Petri dish and yes, a calorie is a calorie. It'll burn, it'll produce the same amount of energy, but we're not Petri dishes. We have, um, different things going on hormonally, molecularly. There's other things happening with hereditary and genetics that have an interplay as it relates to, you know, um, uh, you know, how we partition fat or how we partition carbohydrates, a lot of that's stamped into our DNA. So that's the role of where functional medicine comes in, which I'm increasingly interested in, which is basically this, you know, uh, figuring out root cause resolution to chronic diseases, not just basically saying, okay, here's what you have. Let me prescribe you something to help you manage it. A lot of these chronic diseases that plague the health system plague families because they lose loved ones sooner and have comorbidities associated with it are so easily corrected. That if it's it's so simple, it's Crazy. almost too scary to talk about uh, in such a in such yeah. a short period of time. I know Simplex has taken people off of you know insulin medication in as little as ten days. You know that have been on insulin. Oh for, my god! Yeah, I so, did not know that. Um, yeah, it's so uh, there's been and again, this is where standing alone for the young people out there. And Sandy, you've always been a pioneer about this: is don't be afraid to challenge the status quo. Um, so you know, people and stuff like that are beginning to pay attention because we do stand alone. And, and interestingly, there's science coming out about the, the role of uh, some more progressive um, nutritional therapies such as fasting and ketosis in the role of cancer. Yeah. And we actually got a phone call from a cancer oncology ward in Lancaster about working with one of their patients out there because Simplex is like the only company where you can find a dietitian that will be able to talk to you about some of these more um, progressive, albeit confrontational approaches to nutrition. David, this is amazing, you know, because it's, it's exactly what you said. And he knows this, like, I know sometimes I get so mad at myself 
when I wait for science to prove what I innately I see and I feel in front of me and have experienced. So the same thing with you. You can see innately how it changed your life and what it did for you and how easy it was. And maybe all the science isn't there yet, but it's catching up. It's going to get there, but you still have to forge ahead. And he's like, I don't care if everybody thinks you're wrong. If you feel it and you know it and you really believe you're going to help each other, that's what it's all about. But the big thing that I see, which is even now you, how I think about, you know, I am with journaling and it only takes a few minutes and a couple minutes for meditation. People always say not time. What you're seeing is people are like, that's just too easy. Like you experience that can't work. How can that work? I mean, these doctors can't be wrong. I hear this all the time because I do tell about simplex health all the time in another path. And they are like, why would the medical doctors lie to us? And I'm like, it's not like they're lying. That's just what they've only received. I think it's like 18 hours of nutrition in all of medical school. And I think it's starting to change, but you know, the guidelines that they use are unfortunately, and again, I, I, the last thing I want to be is a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist, but the, the American you're not, Academy you're not. of Dietetics is partially funded by Coca-Cola. So they basically get yes. their resources by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, of course, is very interested in, in this idea of the energy balance model that, you know, as long as you uh, – and again, while there is some truth, there's, there's no there's – no, um, I'm not advocating – indulging in any one thing. I think, you know, too much of anything can kind of lead to, you know, lead to a problem. But I'd say that we now know that there's some foods that, um, you know, trigger a desire for more that are manipulated that just don't allow that natural communication within our body to happen. So we're kind of under this spell of processed foods, but when you get away from that, you focus on whole foods, like you've been doing, you're able to really listen to your body. Um, and I think that's the that's what that's the failing dietetic thing that's happening right now is that the prevailing advice is listen to your body. Well, that that would be great if yeah. the signals, if the communication <laughs> was as it was designed to be and not muffled. Um, oh my god, so. David! I have to have a true confession. So, David, all right. So here's the deal. <laughs> and I, David, said this to me: when somebody has something that happens life changing, like him with diabetes. They're like, whoa, you know what I mean? That's usually when you get the biggest change in life because it's like, holy crap, if I don't do something. And that's unfortunately a lot of way it goes. But I'm the advocate is let's not wait to get so crappy in life. Let's just always go to the next level. And David's always saying to me, I'm like, I just feel. And he's like, well, that's great. But most of the world is not that in tune. <laughs> They're not feeling how their body feels. But fast forward. I mean, I eat pretty good, you know, I exercise, but I'm not anywhere near David. You know, I have a lot of energy, but I'm like, you know, 75, 25 rule, 80, 20, like no reason, blah, 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 blah. Um, But I did gain for me, I don't know, like maybe eight pounds of because late night writing and eating healthy snacks, but still no, I did. No big deal still. I'll take it off. But I told David that. Somebody in a meeting about a book was challenging me like, oh, you know, because I'm turning 59. Like, well, what if you did what you did when you were in the best shape of your life? And believe it or not, I was in the best shape of my life was 42 right before I had my son at 43. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. And my professor, Dr. Kendrick, goes, well, we have to study that. I'm like, crap. And I don't want to do that. Now, David comes in 
and he tells me about, oh, he never misses it. So you have to understand, he used to be coming to my office and like when you were stressed and David, you would eat jelly beans like, <laughs> or something. Where's the kid? Remember that? And now you see him and he doesn't even miss it. I'm like, same thing what you say in the unicorn. I'm like, oh, can he not miss it? We'll have cake. And it'll be like, no, I'm excited. I'll have fruit and nuts. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to ever cut that stuff. So I was just like, whatever, that's your journey, blah, blah, blah. So I go and take the challenge because they fired me up about, you know, how good shape I'm going to work out for it. But then I go to Simplex Health and, you know, I'm not your normal case. I want to just get to the next level. And I sit down with Alex, who I love, and she goes through it. And I'm thinking, holy shit, I got to, I don't want to do that. Like I want the 80, 20. And she's like, well, she's trying to be nice about it. So I go through it and I don't have a lot. I work out. So I lose, you know, two pounds the first week doing everything right. And, and then I lose one pound the next week and I lose zero. And I'm so frustrated. I'm like, shit, I don't want to do all that for that. And David says to me, Sandy, it's the four week mark. People give up just like business. I was telling you, he, I'll never forget this. He's like, they give up, but you don't have a lot to lose. You already ate healthy, but if you really want to go to that next level, it will kick in and you will not miss any of this stuff. Go four weeks. So for me, I I drink red wine. I don't drink a lot, but I cut it way back. I still was having it. I love coffee, but I, I drink water, but I cut out all bread products. So I didn't have any of that. I didn't have any dairy and any sugar. I was eating just plain whole foods was completely opposite of my family. Cause they, you know, they eat healthy, but not like this. And at the four week mark, boom, everything came off. And now David, all that unicorn crap. Yeah. I don't even miss it. I hate to say, I don't even, everyone's like, are you going to go back? So I'm, my eight week challenge, I get tested is it's Saturday, David, where they test me. I don't even care about cookies. I look and I'm like, eh, I don't, they're all eating pasta last night. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I had my you know, little zucchini, but I wasn't missing it. I freaking love it. And I hate that you were right, but it was true. And I fought him and fought him. I was like, blah, 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 paleo, blah, blah, kid, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm good. And so I'm sorry. I just no, want to no, say I'm it sorry. Wasn't. It's nice to know. And again, I think that that's the utopia that I think is the, where freedom comes in. Did you know that? I mean, like, I'm just saying you were right, but that's, I wanted to get to that next level. And I don't even care. Like, I don't feel sacrificed. I feel like there's so, and I ate healthy before, but I don't want to, like, maybe yeah. I can eat pasta. I mean, so. Yeah. I love bread, but I don't even give a crap. Again, I think that uh, sustainability matters and something that's lifestyle friendly that matters. And I think that any uh, protocol should be designed as to be, you know, help people achieve that food freedom, which is you can make a conscious decision, but you know, you're not under the spell. You know that the cravings, if you had, you're past the point of cravings or, you know, that you, now you know what it's like to be on the other side of that. I'm not just speaking, you know, you in particular, cause you already had a, you always had a healthy, um, uh, you know, a healthy. Yeah, but I wanted more. So, I wanted exactly. more. So, but for most people that maybe have a little bit more, um, to lose though, you know, typically what we find is they get an aggressive, um, they find that they're able to 
effortlessly lose a decent amount of weight just from different strategies. But when they get right down to that last kind of percentage point, the body holds on a little bit more. And then you just have to let it relax for a little bit at that rate, which is so important right then to not give up because your body is literally just settling into the idea of being able to um, not be stressed from the difference in, in what the palate is. And it'll release that next level once your body adapts to, you know, its new normal, if you will. And that's when your body becomes free and less inflamed. And when you're inflamed, you can't really, uh, you know, losing weight is a fruitless venture. But, you know, when you become, uh, when you de-stress, when you let go of that inflammation uh, from eating those processed foods, weight loss really can become effortless. Um, so that's a, a key takeaway. And you know what, David, you know, I have a lot of energy, but even now people have said something to me, like you even look, I have more energy in classes of that possible. And I can still jump really high. I am my bones, my joints, everything is even stronger and no one can believe it. It's like, what the heck happened? Like you reversed age. And I, I'm not just joking. Like it's crazy. And I feel it. And everyone feels it around me, you know? And let me tell you, it's not convenient because my husband, who I love to death, love to death, love to death, thinks yeah, I'm that's, whacked. That's tough. Like, that's it's a so real much challenge for, for people. Yeah. Yeah. My husband. And so he is an influence on our son who's 15. And I'm trying, David, but I don't want to get upset about it. But I feel like it's really hard for me because. I mean, he loves our son, but they're not on the same page. And I just had to tell myself, screw it. But I said the F word. I have to do this for me and maybe yeah. it'll catch on because no one in my whole family in in-laws thinks they all think I'm, I'm completely yeah. a lunatic. Well, you know, the good news is, is that I think increasingly in the mainstream, it's, it's kind of like a beach ball that you're trying to hold underwater. I think for the longest time, uh, food groups and industry groups, have had a serious motivation to demonize the very things that would interrupt, um, you know, their business model. Um, but th- there's so much interest right now in nutrition science, and it's increasingly coming out to the mainstream that you know food is either medicine or poison. That there's no food Switzerland. There's no neutral sort of thing. Now that doesn't mean you have to make a hundred percent of your decisions have to be uh, positive, but you know you need education in order to be able to decide. So at least it's a fair game for people that, you know, you know so right now yeah. the deck, the deck is stacked because there's so much friction, confusion about nutrition, but I think, um, solid nutrition science is making its way. But, but again, there's always be different interests. There's always be some way to curate a study to however you want to make it, but at least there's more awareness about, yeah. at least now there's more awareness even though it's all over the place, that's the big problem right now. This is the right way. This isn't the right way. Even there's more awareness around nutrition and it's profound impacts around health. And I think that's becoming increasingly difficult to ignore. Uh, where before it used to be, okay, yeah. I want to get healthy. You have to exercise more. And that was the answer. Uh, and you can out exercise. You know, that <laughs> right, that's like 20%. Is the answer. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, David, I know everyone says like he's everyone's like, you know, David, how are you going to ask all these questions? You talk every week. I've learned so much. It's crazy. See, sometimes you don't you go over the same things over and over. This has been so enjoyable. I've loved it. We'll have to have you back because I even have more things. And I know our listeners are going to hit me with so many questions about the business end and the nutrition end. But we got to wrap it up before we go. 
Is there anything that we didn't get in that you want to touch on? Because I know we've no, I think gone over a lot. Time I'd like to talk on this idea of uh, one of the things I'm a huge advocate for, which is this metabolic flexibility. And I don't want to it's a, it's a, I don't want to peel back the layers of the onion, but just in and of itself, it sounds something that sounds kind of sexy that a lot of people would want. And the reality is because it is, and it's basically the idea of helping your body. Um, you know, use and, and metabolize both sources of fuel, whether it be your body fat or food that you're eating and, and how to put yourself in a state where you can achieve metabolic flexibility, which becomes the most, I think, uh, one of the most fundamental things that as humans, we should seek to achieve uh, just for, you know, long-term health and vitality. Um, that is, uh, would be an interesting topic for next time. Oh my God, will you come back on and do it? Because I know they would love that. That has of to be course. the topic. All right. I think it'll be great because we have people that come back on all the time. People request it. I know this is going to be a really hot one. So David, I have to ask where and how do you want people to reach you? So we'll have a write-up that everybody can see, but if they wanted to contact Visionary yeah, so Wellness yeah. or uh, for what you do or Simplex Listen, Health, how yeah, do they reach websites they can uh, Obviously, if you're in and around the Philadelphia area, you know Sandy and I are the best kept secret at 19th and Market right now. Uh, we have huge windows. We, we've we've um, uh, we've done a, a great job in terms of creating like different experiences, authentic, original programming uh, under one roof over there. Um, it's we've built a great family and a membership base. So there, they can find us at westonfit.com. Um, if you know you work for a company and. Um, um, you're interested in retaining our services from corporate wellness, or you're an influencer, or you're a developer, or you're somebody that wants to install an amenity on site for your constituency, whether it be something that's open to the public or just private for your employees, you can reach out to us at visionarywellnessco.com. And then from a, uh, from a clinical nutrition side, um, simplexhealth.com is where you can learn more about um, the different uh, nutrition and protocols and programs. Highly recommend it. All right, David, this has been awesome. It was even better than I thought. And for everyone listening, remember to keep it real. And as always, treat yourself well and think about it. What story do you want to tell? Thanks, David. Awesome. I'll talk Bye. to you later. Thanks for listening. Remember, keep highlighting the positive and let's keep it real. Mm-hmm.